1: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the seventh of December two thousand and twelve for newcomers, as always, please go into com and help yourselves to lots of free audio. So I go through the system you're born into and you've lived into all your life, and how your parents lived through it too, grandparents as well. You're living through an agenda, a planned agenda, a script, if you like, where all major things are happening are happening across the whole planet at the same time. As far as laws go and rules go, an integration of countries into amalgam- amalgamations, basically or consortiums or monopolies, is is the truth of it actually, and and going into this world-type government. I go into the history of it, who came up with the idea a long time ago, Uh, the massive funding it got at the beginning with all of its members, who were big bankers of their day, and their sons took over, it. in fact, and and eventually called it the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which now runs most of the media across the British Empire. parts of the world. It's other organizations, because they can't use the World Royal, it's called Council on Foreign Relations, and they use them in the States and elsewhere across the world. And these guys literally have a monopoly on every story you get told. All the newspaper editors belong to it, and the top reporters belong to it. All the TV, top TV um, uh, characters belong to it as well for your nightly news and so on. So you're living through a planned agenda where your mind is controlled. It's controlled first by your parents who indoctrinate you by their indoctrination, which is taken on them. And then the school takes over. Then entertainment takes over from that too. And the little blurbs from regular media keeps you quite happy, content or confused for the rest of your life. You never know you're living in a very carefully constructed system. Minutely constructed for every part of society and all of the changes that were planned a long time ago and which you're going through now today. You're seeing it all unfold. So help yourself there. Remember to you, the audience, bring me to you. Don't bring on advertisers as guests and things like that. So I rely on the listeners to support me by either buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donating and to do so, you can from the US to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders. You can send cash or use PayPal and across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Straight donations are awfully, awfully, awfully welcome. But you're going through the biggest changes we've had since the Industrial Revolution, in fact, and some of the guys talked about this, who helped plan this part of the system 50, 60, 70 years ago. They actually referred to it like that when the world would, would start to amalgamate together, and they talked about the coming influence of big corporations for a feudal-type system over the world. And now it's called public-private partnerships, of course. Uh, much of your government's so-called services or agencies are now privately owned, and your government simply rents them, you might say. And uh, these these big, massive um, corporations have their own think tanks and own advisors to governments. They have, the, they have their own... Some of these big corporations have bigger governments in some countries. You can understand that, too. And... Um, The public's uh, voice is really getting heard less and less and less. The only ones who get heard in this new democracy, they call it democracy, are the massively organised non-governmental organisations. Thousands of them, like a massive army, uh, that push all the left-wing agendas. And uh, and they're all funded by the richest people on the planet, the ones who own the foundations as fronts to funnel the money to them, of course, the charitable uh, uh, not-for-profit organizations that hold trillions and trillions of dollars uh, across the world and, and literally fund these armies that constantly lobby governments. So governments are working in collusion, of course, with all of this because they know there's a super government above them. And and the top guys certainly know because otherwise they'd never get into politics. They're vetted long ago for that job. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix And you understand everything today comes through the United Nations All laws have been for a long time actually Right down to your building codes and all your uh, rights for what you want to do on your land um, Septic codes, everything comes from the United Nations Again, the United Nations is a parallel uh, government in a sense It's not the boss, They, they are owned by the bosses but the United Nations is a massive bureaucracy. They have a department for every department to match your your national governments, And even more too, because they also run all the NGOs across the world. They also run uh, all the ones that go out to do abortions across the world. They're right into the schooling, of course, for all children to be uh, standardized, of course, uh, for our world society with the same uh, fake indoctrination. It's fake because whatever the UN gives you is basically for a different reason. It's never for the truth or to, make, to give the truth out there. The truth wouldn't go and sit very well with people so that they have to always lie about uh, their need for a happy, happy little world, which of course would be dominated by a different elite altogether. But anyway, the United Nations is, is responsible for, for getting all governments to sign different treaties, treaty after treaty after treaty, apart from the climate change treaties, etc., uh, and the Kyoto and all the other ones that have the, the, the pushed governments to sign They also want to go after the Internet, probably doing that tonight too, and they want to go after, uh, get the children too off the parents if possible, when and where possible. Because if you go back to the writings of the guys who helped set up uh, these big world organizations, like Bertrand Russell, he talks about that. He said, at one time, we, meaning that this, this global elite that already existed, he said that one time he thought we'd have to take uh, all the children from their parents uh, because the parents were contaminated. That was a communist term that the communists used as well. Uh, and they even thought about it too. If they could take the children away and brainwash the first generation of children, they'd have nothing in common with the parents' values and old-fashioned modes of behavior. So he thought that too, but he found out by getting uh, permission to try experimental schools that if they got them young enough and gave them a scientific indoctrination, he said, then the parents will simply become the financial caretakers of them while the state will give them their values. And the parents' input to the children will be ignored by the children. They teach the children to ignore parents. That's all happened. Of course, but they're still going after certain children too, and it depends. Even for political purposes, if their parents are involved in certain things, that's enough to get, grab your children. Not just in Canada or the States, uh, but across the world, and because uh, again, it's United Nations, it's a worldwide thing. But you find, for instance, this article ties in. I've mentioned before about Katerina Joleva, who has had a child, a child snatched by the authorities in Utah about a year ago now, I guess, maybe more, and the ongoing battle she's had with with uh, trying to get the child back and the dirty, dirty tricks that the state uses to try and keep the child, and uh, you go round in circles forever. It's, it's very much like the movie, it's called The Trial by Kafka, for those who've never seen it, you should, you should watch that trial movie, it's excellent. And... You just go round and round in circles and and then and you have all these pre-hearings, pre-court hearings, pre-court hearings, endless pre-court hearings. Massive money is spent at these things, but it's taxpayers' money, it's okay, except for the defendant who's trying to get her child back. And then she has to pay her, her own costs, even for therapists and all that, for the child to see. So... You have to get the dirty, dirty tricks that go on. And I've, I've given uh, an interview with her before and updates to her. And there's another update now to, to let folk uh, who've been following this know what's happening. And Brian, Brandon Turbeville did a, an interview recently with her. I'll put that up tonight for those who want to keep following it. Because this is symbolic of what's happening across umpteen countries today. And uh, these authorities, so-called authorities, started off, remember, like child services and, uh, and children. They started off as services, voluntary services that did not have authority. But like Lenin said, they said eventually these, these services in the West will end up being authorities over the people. And we're just overloaded with these authorities and we run in a communistic, totalitarian fashion. Especially beyond communism, in fact, today. And it ties in, too. So I said I'll put that link up tonight for those who want to follow it. And also, this is a, an article that shows you this can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, if you have children. This can happen to anybody. This goes back to a story in March in, in, in England. And it was a woman who was even uh, running for a member of parliament. It says, the experts who break up families. Terrifying story of a prospective member of parliament branded an unfit mother by experts who had never met her a nightmare shared by many other families. And it tells you that a little over a year ago, Lucy Allen led what most people would regard as an eminently respectable life. The middle class mother, a conservative councillor, was happily married to her stockbroker husband, Robin, and doted on her 10-year-old son, who loved going to school and was a passionate cricketer. Indeed, such was Mrs. Allen standing in the community that this accountant and former investment banker was in David Cameron's A-list of potential members of Parliament and prospective conservative candidate at the last election. She devoid her. Spare time to her council duties, and twice a month she sat on the local fostering panel, which oversaw the removal of children from their parents and placed them with new families. She said it was a heartrending work, as she recalls. At each fostering meeting, were presented with horrifying cases of abusive parents, almost always depicted as substance abusers, mentally unstable or unable to put the needs of her children uh, over their own needs. Often this portrayal was supported by an expert from a psychiatrist, psychologist or medical doctor. It never occurred to me or any member of the panel that the information we were that we're presented with might be distortion, uh, or distorted, twisted, or a fiction, or that the reports were anything other than independence. You understand, in this world that you live in, your whole system, from the, coming right down to the top to the bottom, is based on faith. That's all. Faith. That the ones above you, in the next level, are, 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 are somehow more pure than you are, and and more correct than you are, and and really superhuman in a sense. It's all based on faith. Even the lower politicians base their faith on the, on the ones way above them. That's why they don't really know what's going on. They just accept the word of the guy at the top and go with it, it doesn't matter what it happens to be. It's all faith based, and the whole society structure is based in the same way as well. So anyway, she it didn't occur to her that, that, that the facts may be distorted, twisted, fictional, or anything like that. Now her view has changed. She suspects that many of the damning reports were written by experts who had never met the families in question to suit the wishes of social workers under pressure from the government to increase the number of children adopted. They actually have quotas now coming from the government. As a result of this process, more and more children are being taken into state foster care. So why is her faith in the system she once facilitated being shattered? This is because, thanks to a bewildering chain of events, the eloquent, educated woman found herself under attack from social workers and fighting to stop her own son being taken into care. Hers is a Kafkaesque story involving family experts who passed judgment on her fitness as a mother without, in some cases, even meeting her. Her story is particularly disturbing in the light of a report released this month which found that decisions about the futures of thousands of children are being based on flawed evidence from well-paid experts, some of whom are unqualified and in time and, and again never meet the families concerned. The damning study by Professor Jane Ireland, a forensic psychologist, examined more than 127 expert witness reports used in family court cases in three areas of England. She found that 90% were produced uh, by the clinicians who no longer practice, but instead earn their living entirely as professional expert witnesses paid for by council social work departments. So they work for them, in other words. They work for the guys who are making the accusations. 65% 65% of the reports were poorly or very poorly carried out. This led to accusations from members of parliament, lawyers and families that many of the experts are on a gravy train, hired guns paid to write precisely what social workers want to read and hear. Now, this month, the, the, the mail report just how such an accusation has been levelled against one leading psychiatrist, Dr. George Hibbert, Who faces allegations that he deliberately misdiagnosed patients as, parents, sorry, as being mental, as having mental disorders, which led them to having their children taken by social services. And that came, that's a big, big story. He was on the take and paid straight by the the agencies, making millions every year, uh, frightening up fake reports. By the way, uh, that was back then. He's still doing it today. He's still doing it today. I've got an article on that too. this famous George Hibbert. Anyway, it says John Hemming, a Liberal Democrat MP, was calling for a national inquiry into the use of expert testimonies in a family court hearings, said this dubious system has resulted in families being torn apart and hundreds of children being wrongly taken for adoption from innocent parents. It's a scenario Lucy Allen's, as this woman feared, could happen with her own son. Her nephew began last March when, at the age of 46, and having begun to feel depressed for no apparent reason, she decided to go to see the doctor. And, she went to a GP surgery, expecting to be given a course of antidepressants and then feel better, because that's how everybody's trained again by faith and ads and television and so on. She was seen by a young female, Locum, who listened to what Lucy had to say and then told her, joined her to refer to social services to see if the family needed support. Locum turned to Dr. Peter Green, a consultant forensic physician and head of child safeguarding in the Wandsworth, South London, where Lucy lives. He's a flamboyant figure with flowing grey hair and a penchant for bow ties. He never trusts people with bow ties, by the way. He has written thousands of reports for the family courts. According to documents seen by the Allen family, Dr. Green told the locum his view was that Lucy was a very self-centred, this despite the fact he'd never set eyes on Lucy or spoken to her. When she later complained about the conclusions he'd drawn without even having seen her, the doctor was alleged to have told her he had uh, relied on a gut feeling. To Lucy's horror following Green's assessment, Locum informed social services that Lucy's son was at significant risk of harm from his mother. Thus it was that the woman whose job it had been to make decisions in the fostering panel about whose children should be removed from their family suddenly found herself under the most intense scrutiny. Instead of reading reports on another's mother's emotionally abused child or her chaotic home life, I was reading the same accusations and reports about me and my family. It's kind of like being probably in the Communist Party in the Soviet era and you were the good communist and you went along with it all and without question and did all the things that were nasty for other people but you believed in it and so on and then you find they accuse you of something, you're up in court you know, when you used to confess to everything, it just blows your whole reality away because you it's all based on faith Back with more after this break So we're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about how the state, all states really are just kidnapping children today. And they really go at it. They're ferocious with it. Too. And mind you, too, they've unlimited financing from the, the taxpayers' coffers. And this article was on to say here uh, that... Um, Instead of reading reports on another mother's emotionally abused child or her chaotic home life, I was reading the same accusations and reports about me and my family, she says. Social services insisted they interviewed her son, but this inquiry unfolded. Evidence from his teachers suggested he was happy and thriving. An independent report from a National Health Service psychiatrist also said Lucy was no risk to anyone, not including her son. But social services then hired their own psychiatrist from the Priory Hospital in in Roehampton, southwest London, at taxpayers' expense, naturally. Without meeting Lucy or her son, and based only on information provided by social services, the private psychiatrist stated in an expert report that there was an urgent need for the assessment and treatment of Lucy. The psychiatrist added there was no way her depression would not have a significant impact on her parenting. As the investigation dragged on, Lucy underwent a series of interviews by social services and by experts paid by them to examine her and her family. Many of the subsequent reports says Lucy were inaccurate, biased, and took her family's words out of context. You wouldn't believe the dirty tricks that they do on on women. For example, her son had mentioned that when he got off school bus, he always asked Lucy how she was, but this is described in one report as her son demonstrates inappropriate anxiety for the well-being of his mother on a daily basis. When Lucy admitted taking sleeping pills for insomnia and diazepam, that's Valium for anxiety, another report on her said such drug abuse would make her barely conscious on a daily basis. Her confession of sharing a bottle of wine with husband Robin most nights was written up as alcohol abuse and the risk of Lucy harming her son was deemed to be substantiated. All this begs the question of how so often such judgments are passed down by experts and social workers on those less well-equipped than Lucy to defend themselves. She spent the, fast, the past year trying to clear her name, paid out £10,000 on legal fees, and has had to pull herself off the A-list of, Doctor, of David Cameron's potential Conservative candidates. Quit as a school governor and, of course, uh, resigned from the fostering panel. I'm now ineligible for the Criminal Record Bureau, Check required for working with children or young people, she says, sadly. Her son's social services record states that he was once considered a risk to him, or she was, and it will remain on uh, on his file till he's 18. Finally, Christmas, the council's social services said officially no action was required. Concerning Lucy, she was trying to rebuild her life with the help of husband Robin, who incredibly was never interviewed by social services, but still fears she could come under scrutiny again. The system is designed to silence people, she says, and I've been prescribed antidepressants and I am better. But at the back of my mind is the fear that if I complain too loudly about the child protection system, they will be back at the door. And they would too, they come back with a vengeance. So I'll put this article up tonight too. It mentions here too, every year that 200 mothers in in England or fathers are jailed for contempt of court for breaking the silence. Because I should tell you in in these, these little private little courts, you can't speak to anybody. Not even your members of parliament. I mean, what 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 the way kind of law is this? Secret courts, you know. So that so that it says every year, two hundred mothers and fathers are jailed for contempt of court for breaking the silence, while the same family courts request the removal of two hundred twenty-five children every week, ninety-seven percent of whom are never returned to their families. And that shows you that's probably the same stats are everywhere. And, and and I think in Utah, where Katarina Joliva is, it's probably even worse. Because these guys don't... If they lose one case, you understand, uh, they're open then for for other cases to be looked at with deeper scrutiny. And they don't want that. Government agencies are disgusting, folks. And there's just too many. And, and to be honest with you, they shouldn't even be in this field at all, to be honest with you. You'll always get real abuse happening here or there. And it happened in the past. But generally, the people, neighbours, and the police find out about it, and that, that deals with it. But once you give uh, a little bit, nobody's uh, power—I'm not kidding you—and big money, uh, then uh, and plus promotion, the more children they get out to, to take away from you know—they've got the ladder, and it's just uh, you know people are pretty disgusting. You know, most most folk really are pretty disgusting. Once you get this this kind of power badge. I don't care who they are. Even a postman can get it. But when his little hat, you know, and his little badge, I—I I actually saw that happen. But uh, this is how people really are. And uh, when you have greed involved in it, and power and, and promotion all involved, and in how many children you snatch, uh, it goes right to their heads. And that you know, justice doesn't matter to them at all. So I'll put this up tonight. And also to this article here is the UN, United Nations, again, FCCC boss, Christina Figuera's dream spells a nightmarish future for Earth citizens. Interesting history, this woman, if you go into her, she came, I think, from New York, and, and, and her parents or something came from supposedly Denmark, and the real name was Ferrer. And you can actually find out who they are. Anyway, he says, "This week is the United Nations luminaries gathering in Doha, Qatar, for the 18th conference of the parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change." I mean, even that whole long term there is typical of this. What the, the Soviets would have for it. See, we are Sovietized. For those who didn't know it. See, the post-Soviet era is when it all merged together into one. Like the Rees Commission found out back in the 1950s, that was the big plan, and they got that from the foundations. And now you're the world is a super Soviet You understand And it's and it's, it's got some differences From the old one The old one was just a part one Even Lenin said it He said uh, the dictatorship Should only last for about a generation You know about 70 odd years Which happened But going to this woman uh, To this uh, great uh, conference on hot air we come back from this break
0: Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network
1: because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, I'm Ellen Watts. We're talking about the big communist get together the United Nations. Very wealthy communists, mind you, because it pays awfully well to be an official NGO leader, uh, paid by the big trillion dollar international foundations. And they've never had so much power or salaries and jet settings they have today, you know, as they fight for all our freedom, supposedly, even though you never elect them for anything. But anyway. Now a lot of the communists did move into this whole greening area, uh, when the so-called, uh, the, 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 old type communist system went down. But it says, uh, so you know, it says this, um Christian Fager, the self-described daughter of a revolutionary, has presented her goals. The most important is a massive transfer of wealth, $100 billion a year, from soon-to-be formerly rich Europeans and Americans to United Nations bureaucrats who claim to represent the world's developing nations and Earth's poorest citizens. Now, the United Nations is a private organisation, for those who haven't figured it out. They are not democratic. We don't vote them in. We don't even know who's in, um, behind the front man they give you. they got thousands thousands of bureaucrats. This, is, this astonishing concept is beyond surreal. It contends the world already has enough wealth, that the developing world cannot or ought not generate any new wealth, certainly not from hydrocarbons, but rather should be content with receiving transfer payments monitored by the United Nations' bureaucracy, and that the industrialized world should be put in an economic straitjacket and yet charged $1 trillion per decade for climate change reparations and mitigation, on the premise that its carbon dioxide emissions have supplanted the many natural forces that caused extensive and repeated climate changes for eons. I'm not kidding you, it's, it's absolute nonsense, we all know that, but this is a, the tactic that they're using, and you, you're talking about armies of non-governmental organisations all working for the top foundations on the planet, the parallel government. And the real one, for that matter. Coupled with the underlying premise that wealth transfers are the only way to combat alleged planet threatening man-made global warming, is it yeah. any wonder that the entire Doha conference is like a bad dream or horror movie, or that this ridiculous saga is taking place in the nation that boasts the world's highest per capita carbon dioxide emissions? This is, of course, the UN's objective in Doha extends far beyond, beyond wealth transfers. It seeks a total recons- uh, restructuring of world political power, energy systems and economies, with the, with the United Nations on top and nation states bowing before its ministers, just as a newly elected president, Obama, bowed before his eminence, King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia. So just imagine the gilded Lilliputians have gathered in Doha to strip the giants of their wealth, and oddly enough, the giants, which is the EU and the USA, are willing to be stripped naked, not only partly if the emerging economic powers, including China and India, will follow suit and set their own economy strangling carbon-cutting targets. We're witnessing mutually assured destruction all over again, except, of course, that China and very likely India will opt out of the charade, uh, laughing all the way to the bank at this grand farce, it says. Despite 16 years of stable planetary temperatures and growing evidence that prior projections of rapid warming were based on faulty modelling and outright disinformation, the mainstream media continue to hype the global warming cataclysm talking points. Associated Press reporter Carl Ritter, for example, said the Doha battle between the rich and the poor is over. Efforts to reach a deal to keep global temperatures from rising more than 2% compared to pre-industrial times when Earth was emerging from the little ice age. He cited the recent World Bank projection of an up to 4 degrees centigrade rise by 21,000. Even a worse, New York Times reporter James Atlas, in the wake of Hurricane Sandy, wondered that the Big Apple will likely sink beneath the sea in the next 50 to 200 years. Both predictions have been buried somewhere in Nostradamus or the Mayan calendar. Meanwhile, back in the real world, the Energy Information Administration in 2011 forecast a 53% jump in world energy demand from 2008 levels by 2035. And the International Energy Agency predicted that the U.S. will be the world leader in natural gas production by 2015 and oil production by 2020, with Canada not far behind. More to the point, despite figures blathering about increased investments in and reduced costs of clean energy, the fact is that all natural gas and, yes, even coal will furnish much, if not most, of this expanding demand for energy. Expensive, subsidized, land-hungry, wildlife-killing, food-price-hiking, renewable energy will remain a small niche player for decades to come. So... It doesn't matter. I've said this before, this has been a big planned agenda. And even the Rothschilds were in it from the very beginning to do with carbon credits and so on. And uh, they planned it all out. They put their motions forward in Britain and elsewhere and uh, through parliament. And they want their own private bank in Switzerland to, for all the carbon credits of the world to go through. That's an awful lot of cash. They'll make overnight in credit money and interest and all the rest of it. It's, it's just a, you know, see, the big things in life, are the people are never consulted on anything. You still believe you're in a democracy. It's such a joke. All the big things that happen, uh, we're not consulted whatsoever. We're not being consulted if you even want these guys uh, making decisions for us. I mean, the United Nations is a private organization. All these NGOs are private organizations working for private foundations. Where's the democracy in any of this? It's not there at all. This is a giant con, folks. And your whole system is a con, for that matter. Because, what I've just said, the governments could tell you too if they wanted to. But they won't. And also the United Nations, again, another article came out. They want to work towards implementing a standard for the Internet that would allow for eavesdropping on a worldwide scale. The conference in Dubai this week, the ITU members decided to adopt the y 2 two 770 standard for deep packet inspection, a top secret proposal by way of China that would allow telecom companies across the world to more easily dig through data passed through across the web. According the UN Implementation, Deep Packet Inspection, or DPI, on such a global scale, will allow authorities to more easily detect the transferring and sharing of copyrighted materials and other protected files by finding a way for administrators to analyze the payload of offline transmissions, not just the header data that's normally identified and interpreted. Anyway, the UN wants um, total control over, over the Internet, you know, to keep everything running smoothly in their direction. And believe you me, there's not a darn thing you can say or do in this day and age. I don't care if you encrypt the stuff or not; it's making any darn difference at all. It's, uh, it's easy stuff for the boys at the top, automatic, in fact. And uh, they know everything you're saying and doing. And this big uh, kind of communist system for the, the vast bulk of the population um, is being monitored to see if they're politically correct or not. They've got all your names. They know what points of view are on different things. They know all this stuff. This is what it's for and to to make sure you comply with the the whole new big world agenda as we go through it all too. And you will see children getting hauled off uh, for readjustment therapy if they have uh, the wrong attitudes to their masters as they come up and get older and so on. So it's going to happen more and more and more. No doubt about it whatsoever. And I've mentioned before the, the big push. Alvin Tolfer came out with it with his book, The Third Wave, and, um uh, he, 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 uh, Newt Gingrich at the time gave copies of that book out to every congressman on the steps of the houses of going up in the congress and you give him all up for free and he was a complete supporter, still is, of Alvin Toffler, this, this real big, uh, this guy who, who really wants to vastly reduce the population in the world. And again, in this totalitarian style, the demand that we eat this and don't eat that and so on. But he said there, it's going to be a vegetarian world, whether people like it or not, he says. That's how it's going to be. And been many, many articles I've read over the years on the same kind of thing. Anyway, here, here you go: smaller, fewer, thinner, and future for American beef is what's become of the U.S. beef industry. The country that is synonymous with steaks, as big as Texas, is suffering a serious shortage of cattle. The, U, the U.S. national herd is now at an all-time low. Numbers peaked at 132 million head of cattle in 1975. The start of this year; it was down to just under 91 million. Across the U.S. cattle are sometimes housed in what are called feedlots to be fattened for slaughter. These huge operations on average contain around 3,000, have also suffered a significant drop in numbers, down around 12.5% in last year. All bad news for cowboys, so what's going on? This is a long-term factors in uh, terms of profitability and rising costs, but what's really pushing the decline right now is a potent mix of environmental issues and politics. Now, one part was the, was the, the, the drought they had this year. Every so many years you have a drought and that happens too. It's just always it's always been. And it says the US has been suffering a desperate drought and so on. And then it says the drought has also affected the yield of grain crops, which are estimated to be around, down around 13% on last year. Because US farmers depend on grain to fatten their beef herds, it's increased pressure to get rid of cattle, to get rid of them. And so the other is getting rid of their cattle. In practice, this means blending ethanol. This, this is where it, it says, it says that, um, It is adding further complication is the politics. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has had a mandate, and it is a mandate, the link is on here, in place since 2005, that requires a certain percentage of U.S. liquid fuel comes from renewable sources, like like corn, biofuel, and so on. In practice, this means that blending ethanol made from grain with regular gasoline, or mixed with it, it says this year is a drought. Persisted desperate farmers asked the EPA to set the mandate aside to help cut corn prices. Uh, The the FDA refused. It says, feeding cattle in Kansas and so on. And it says, um, this year ethanol production will consume a whopping 42% of the corn crop, says U.S. Department of Agriculture. But they're not going to lower it to that and feed it to the cattle. And they knew this member, there's lots of articles about it when they first came up with this whole idea of biofuels, biofuels. Another dead thing dead in the water, it costs more to dig the damn stuff than it is to, 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 to use actually. It's just the same. And especially when they've never had such a glut of oil. I've got another article put up tonight too, it's from the big boys themselves, and it talks about the oil revolution, now that there's this, you know, floundering in oil. It says, according to Dr. Stan Bevers, uh, Bevers from Texas A&M University, this factor is hu- having a huge impact. The U.S. beef industry was built on abundant corn supplies, so when a new source of governmental demand takes away roughly 40% of the corn for ethanol production, the cattle industry must adjust and get smaller. And he says, um, but bizarrely, as the size of the herd has gone down, the size of the individual steers has gone up. The cattle are getting fatter with carcasses weighing around 2% higher than last year, but it won't last According to Dr. Daryl Peel of Oklahoma State University, the current problem could have long-term impacts on U.S. beef. He thinks it's likely there will be changes in how cattle are fed. Less grain, more grass, lighter cattle. In general, that's the tendency, he said. The incentives have changed to a more moderate animal size. We could well see finished weights moderate or smaller. The future for American beef cattle will be smaller and thinner and fewer. And by the way, they'll be a lot more expensive. And the future of world meat production tastes a lot like chicken, but that's a story for another day. So uh, that is the future, focus. It was all planned that way a long time ago. Every l- law they pass, like the one on biofuels, is and they knew it all too, and there were many warnings about it was going to take food out of people's mouths too, grain out people's mouths, and jack up the costs of, of what's left to the people. And it's the same with the animals too. There's less stuff for the animals. And uh, this is all planned that way. Again, were you consulted Was anybody? Consulted? No, of course not. You're you're under totalitarian regimes. And all these damned agencies are are fronts for other operations. And this is quite a little interesting little story here. It's about, it came up a few times, I've seen it over the last week or so. Sex for student fees, man. He's a man who who advertised in British papers uh, where they pay the fees of female students. Uh, uh, in order to get them uh, dates with really wealthy businesses. And that's, this was the con this man pulled. And then, of course, he, he was a guy who would find out if they were up to the task, you might say, and uh, he would sort of test drive them. So, so the Sex for Students fees man was unmasked uh, to be an IT consultant with top-level military of defense security clearance, the top-level, who was pulling this scam. This is the man revealed by the Independent to be running a website offering to pay the tuition uh, fees of female students in return for sex uh, is a highly paid computer consultant who claims to have top-level military of defence, security clearance, and access to top-secret um, matters. Mark Lancaster, uh, he adopted a place name, 39 years old, who presented himself as an assessor for the sponsor. He is a sponsor of a scholar .co UK website is what it's called sponsor a scholar. It was sex for sex for your your, your fees to get trained. Um, has worked as a contractor on a massive overhaul of the IT's network used by UK armed forces, military sources confirmed last night. He's also thought to have worked on computer systems used by British forces during invasion of Iraq. The Independence Week tracked down the married father of two to his £460,000 home on the edge of the South at Downs National Park in Hampshire after he was filmed asking an undercover reporter to undergo a practical assessment with him to prove the level of intimacy she would provide for the website's claimed clients. The Metropolitan Police have been passed a dossier of material concerning sponsor a Scholar UK and Mr Lancaster's understood to be... Um, set to establish whether these are their grounds for investigating offences. When confronted by the independence at his large detached home in the picturesque village of Hornden near Portsmouth, Mr Lancaster refused to comment, slamming the door and turning the key in the lock. So this has been how he's been getting his jollies, basically, as uh, to come out with this, this game here, because uh, as far as he can find out, there's no real organisation there. He, he used someone else's um, uh, site identity, and he also uh, had a lot of freebies, you might say, by these young girls. Uh, so yeah, so he has been dressed up like young schoolgirls and all the usual stuff that these guys seem to be into that are into these four hundred sixty thousand dollars pounds or pounds homes. I'll put that up tonight too. So now he, he's got top security clearance, the top, the top for the Ministry of Defence of Britain. This is where all the pairs are. They're all up there. So I'll put that up tonight. So, interesting enough, too, you wouldn't think about Zurich, but Zurich is to open drive-in sex boxes. No kidding. The city of Zurich is to open the drive-in sex boxes in an attempt to rid the town of street prostitution. So it says, um, the council has approved a plan to build the boxes which it hopes provide a discreet location for prostitutes and clients to conduct business when they open in August next year. Located in an industrial area of the city, the row of garage-like boxes will have roofs and walls for privacy and easy access for cars. The council estimates that around 30 prostitutes will meet clients at the side of the boxes and use the driving slots on a first-come, first-served basis. The big difference is that until now prostitution has been in the public space, Michael Herzig from Zurich's Social Welfare Department told Swiss Radio, now we're going into to, changes to move it from the street to a private space in an old industrial area which belongs to the city. It gives us a possibility to define the rules of prostitution in this area. So the opening of the sex boxes will coincide with a major reform of prostitution laws in the Swiss city. Prostitution will be outlawed in certain areas of Zurich It's taking grip and led to local complaints with women being harassed in the streets and uh, the activities of pimps. So so the governments get into the sex business, basically, and they'll get licenses and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it says here uh, that, uh, that they'll have to... Uh, take out a medical insurance and buy a £26 licence to order to, p- to apply their trade. Plus they'll get taxed too, I guess. So quite something as the world changes, isn't it? Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Jack from Michigan. If you're still on the line, are you there, Jack? Hello.
0: Yeah. Um, the last uh, couple of days, we've been talking a lot about gender bending chemicals and all that. hmm And uh, I just have been reading through a book by Carl Jung called Psychology and Alchemy, and all these pictures in here from the alchemists—they all. Uh, center around the hermaphrodite emerging the between the, the sun and the moon mm-hmm. and some of it, it's just all pretty pretty blatant um yeah and i was just thinking that uh pretty much all their goals have been accomplished and uh now they have basically the powers of god with the various sciences mm-hmm. and uh especially the science of electricity too with the yeah. uh the positive and negative forces uh to to create the energy with unity, and even Albert Pike goes into how they worship light, uh, the force that drives the sun, which is light, yeah. and uh, the the prima materia, which would basically be like ether in the in the uh, old uh, theories in the 1800s and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, uh, we're basically kind of entering a new a new dark age almost because. I don't even understand how a lot of this technology works, and, I, and I've studied a lot of it, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like a mystery. And
1: uh. yeah, well, uh, the, the old the old idea goes way back again to to the Middle East, ancient Middle East, uh, was that uh, out of the opposites comes the sun. I mean, same story with with uh, 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 Isis and uh, uh, Osiris and Horus and, and all the other ones too. It's that out of two perfections, but opposites the male and the female would come a perfected one, you see. And so that's the one in the middle that that you'll see. Actually, that's a symbol of a pyramid too between the two columns in masonry. It's a son who's perfected, uh, or the mason himself can become perfected with his work. Uh, And they often use a symbol of the hermaphrodite to, to show you that as well. But they've gone physically further, as you say, into creating real hermaphrodites as well, because the ancient symbology in the very old mystery religions uh, was that God was both male and female. He was hermaphroditic. That was the old conception of it. And Plato touches on that, and you'll find some of that even in, in Judaic writings. So, to be like God, uh, you would have the the, the you, you would be more like a hermaphroditic creature who is balanced to say the balance between between logic and emotion, and, and you would be perfected by that. But they've actually gone all the way now, as you can see, into promoting um, uh, distortion of what is normal, and that's a political goal. Uh, by a particular group who want to destroy existing cultures to bring in a new. They don't really care about these characters, believe you me, who, who come out as transsexuals and so on. They really don't care about them. They promote it all, but anything is promoted that will destroy the existing society and the culture and especially the, the, the religions that, that are always bound with the culture. And so a war has been waged to, to to push this to, to the fore as though it was the most important thing around and of course it isn't and that tells you it's, it's, a, it's, it's a weapon uh, these are weaponized parts of the culture uh, under attack and it's, it's well organized by those at the top but they can, couldn't care less about these characters or the very fact that uh, you don't treat a, a mental problem with f- physical surgery it just doesn't work as that latest report that I gave out said but you're quite right, their symbols of the Hermaph- Hermaphrodite are always there, but they also mean the perfection of the offspring by the right ones. So, thanks for calling. From Hamish, Messiah from Ontario, Canada is good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.